0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. So I want to preach this message this morning. It'll be fast, but I, prayer, I prayerfully uh, feel that it's going to be effective. It's called The Shaking Before the Awakening. Did you hear what I said? The shaking before the awakening. I want you guys to all say it. I want to make sure you're awake. Say the shaking before the awakening. So I want to bring you back north to that first verse that I just opened up with. Uh, It's found in verse 45. And it says this There was darkness during Jesus' resurrection. There was darkness, and I quote, over all of the land. Say, there was darkness. So point number one, before great awakenings happened, as I've studied revivals historically, before any great revival ever ensued on American soil and around the world, there was gross darkness that took place on the earth before great awakening happened. Now, we we talk about the book of Acts, and we, we talk about Jesus's resurrection and everything but but if we want to be contextually and I want to give you a biblical background actually really quick because some of the greatest revivals happened not after persecution but during. Did you know that during Jesus's times when the church was thriving and it was growing Nero was lighting Christians on fire and running through the streets and lighting the streets up with their bodies being on fire. Did you know that? So there was great persecution. I don't know about you, but it doesn't take me very long, looking around at America, seeing that we are in a time of great darkness. Does it, does, do I have at least one or two people who believe that when you look around, when you turn on CNN, don't turn on CNN, by the way. If you're going to turn on something, use Newsmax. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. That was a little plug. I told the Lord I'd never use the pulpit for that, so I repent, Lord if you're going to watch the news we'll watch news that are going to you know tell the truth at least half the truth Amen. but there is great darkness in the land right now when we when we look at what's happening in afghanistan I don't know if we've ever seen at least in, I'm 36 years old. I haven't seen anything like this type of persecution. Babies and young people and the underground churches are being stormed. They're they're asking for their phones just to see if there's any Bible apps on their phone before they execute the believers. I've seen graphic and I when I say graphic I mean I wouldn't I don't even want my wife to see the things that I ran across that I'm seeing in Afghanistan. People are being slaughtered like they're sheep, and so we are living in a time of great darkness. When you look at America, I mean, even the president himself is wringing his hands and don't and does not have all the answers. His cabinet doesn't have all the answers. The world is not offering any type of answers. Can I tell you what? One Kingdoms come and go. Presidents come and go. Cabinets come and go. But there's one thing that we can all take heart in, that this word right here will never change and it will always offer hope. It always will offer hope and it offers us hope in the midst of gross darkness, even in the days in which we're living in right now. I wish I had two people at least that would shout amen to that. Do we still believe that the Bible offers us hope? And there's no doubt that there is darkness and there's uncertainties plaguing our world right now, as I just said. I mean, there's job. Uh, people are struggling with their job security. People are struggling with their health. I mean, with COVID-19, people have loved ones who have respiratory issues that can't even hardly allow them to go to Publix just to pick up a loaf of bread. There's all kinds of uncertainties, uncertainties about the life of America. Will America survive? Will the dollar survive? Will the church survive? I mean, that's a big question we should be asking, right? If I told you guys of all the heat That I've got just by keeping the doors open. I'm talking about we are living in a modern day, uh, what Jesus was living in. Basically, the persecution that's coming just moderately. Voices are being shut down. Where we used to have freedom of speech, voices are being shut down. Some of my Facebook posts are being taken down. You can put up garbage, you just can't put up truth. There's this looming dark cloud over America regarding our freedom. A country that once, I was talking with our daughter. Um, I had a surrogate grandfather. His name was Joe Norris. Um, I, I kind of grew up, she was, my mother was a seamstress for 20 years. Do you guys remember uh, the downtown uh, train station? What was it called? Church Street. You remember the train that used to be down there? If you're over 25, you, you should know what I'm talking about. Half of you probably wouldn't know. Well, she reupholstered that train that was downtown on Church Street. My mother did. And so I grew up after school going to the shop where my mother was a seamstress. And Joe Norris, like, basically kind of adopted us, would buy anything we wanted. He was just a grandfather. And I never seen him cry except for when he told me about when he was in the war. He would tell me, he said, Donnie, he said, my young teen friends who were on the beach with me, they were blown up. He described to me what happened. People were decapitated. People's bodies were shot to death. And, and just he got to see all of these things. And, 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 and when, I, when I think back on those stories he would tell me, especially for you young people, and I was talking to our daughter about this, you have no idea how much of a price and how big of a price your forefathers have paid for you to have freedom you know when i see a lot of young people these days who who take freedom very lightly that's because you don't understand what kind of a price that the military forces have paid for you to enjoy the freedom that you now partake of and so there's this great cloud there's this there's this this uh, freedom is being Uh, squelched just little by little. You know the story of the boiling frog, just little by little, the heat is being turned up. Some of our freedoms are being taken, possible forced vaccines. And uh, you can't, I seen a kid being taken out of the classroom for not wearing a mask by the police officers, wrestling him to the ground. Our freedoms are at stake. This great cloud of darkness, just like in Jesus's day when he was being crucified. And there was a figurative cloud. Say there was a figurative one, a figurative one. There was a figurative, one and there was a literal one. A figurative one because can you imagine how Jesus was feeling? I want you to think about this dark cloud that loomed over the cross as Jesus is hanging there. This Jesus, this miracle-working man, the Son of God who cleansed lepers, he opened the blind eyes, he, he healed the sick and the lamed walked and opened he opened deaf, deaf ears and, and he raised the dead. He even calmed storms down with just his, those famous words, be still, and the 12th disciple, obviously Judas, committed suicide. So this is dark cloud. All these chaotic things are happening. And then there's not only figurative dark clouds that are happening, not just chaos, but but literal one. There was physically a dark cloud. Jesus, their Messiah, their only hope of salvation was being crucified in front of them. And then it says, the Bible says, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, a dark cloud hovered over the land. But aren't you glad that Sunday morning was just three days away? And that's what I believe in America. Although there is a dark cloud, this is why you have to hold on. This is why you have to stay hopeful because you can miss what God wants to do if you give up too early. Doesn't the Bible say that? If you faint not, in due season you will reap if you faint not. Look at somebody and say, don't get tired. All I'm saying is darkness is a prerequisite. It is a sign that something great is about to happen. If you study history, if you study revival, I, I'm not, I'm not um, uh, how do I say this? I am not, I'm not um, ignorant to what is going to happen. Do you know how I'm not? All I've done is studied history over time. This is a pattern that God has used throughout history. God will oftentimes, notice what I'm about to say, not cause darkness but allow darkness into the world for pe- the people of God to wake up to see th- what sinful state they're in, to see what their own agenda has accomplished, so that awakening can actually come. Does anybody believe that? So if you study history, we're not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm. That's why I'm very much anticipant of great things coming as a result of this, because people are now starting to come to church. People are now wanting to have a conversation about God. Why is that? Because of great darkness looming. Over America, so what 's the revelation preacher what is what are you trying to say this morning here 's the revelation darkness always precedes an awakening, darkness always precedes a revival don 't let this darkness fool you that is looming over america don 't let this darkness because all it is is a sign that God is about to show up on the scene and can I tell you what every great revival has had a death and a burial. But always remember this, that Sunday morning is coming. Resurrection to the church of Jesus Christ is coming. Resurrection is coming to your home. It's coming to your destiny. It's coming to the purposes of God that he's called into existence before the, existence before the foundation of the world in your life. Somebody say amen to that. Because there's one thing darkness will do, and, it's, it's one, and, and this is what trouble will do in your life. This is what marriage problems will do in your life. This is what, what, what chaos in the American government will cause. It'll call you and cause you to have a prayer life. Darkness has its way of provoking in the believer to seek God in a fresh new way. This is what the devil has learned about me. I do not do well. I am not a minister who does well who can just go through the church motions. I don't know about you, but I was born for war. I was born to be on the front lines. Do not give me a ch- like, It's like the Lord calls, called us to start this church just three years before this all happened. I'm encouraged. It gives me something to fight for. I don't know about you, but I can't come up here and give you three points on how to live your life successfully. If you're looking for a church that wants to just tell you how to do well in life, how to start a successful business, yes, you can take some classes outside of this, but you're never going to hear that from this pulpit. We're going to teach you. We're going to equip you. We're going to equip you to have a praying lifestyle. Come on. Because if we teach you how to live godly, everything else will be added. Seek first what? Seek first success keys. Seek first what? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Those other things are just things. If we learn how to grow in our relationship with God, if we learn to have a praying lifestyle, if you learn to fast. Oh, that's a cuss word these days. Fast. What is that? Dying to self, learning to die to self. Listen, if you learn how to fast and not eat a cheeseburger when your flesh says you want to, you can learn to keep your mouth closed to your spouse. See the principle of fasting? When you kill the flesh, you learn to walk in the Spirit. Is that too much for you guys this morning? When we we learn to grow in God, everything else will be added to us. Say darkness will produce a prayer life. Darkness will cause me to pursue God in a fresh way. When there are no answers medically, we are forced to believe God for the supernatural healing of people. And it's amazing what this dark cloud of uncertainty as it relates to um, COVID 19. We can't stay in our house forever. Amen. I'm not saying being I'm not saying to be foolish. I'm, I am saying, but you can come to church and wash your hands and socially distance if you have to. Amen. But but we, ha- we cannot allow this dark cloud to keep us in our home. If anything, it should inspire us to get to the house of God to seek answers. Did you hear what I said? Amen. Number two. I want to read this verse, verse 51. And it says this, Then behold, the veil of the temple, say the temple, was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Somebody say, there was a great shaking. There was a great shaking. Is there a great shaking going on? There's an old 50s song that says a whole lot of shaking going on right now. Not that kind of shaking. I see how you just looked at your wife just now. I'm just kidding. God is simply allowing this shaking on this tree called America to make room for the good fruit that's about to come. Did you, just hear, did you hear what I just said? God is allowing this shaking. This is end time shaking that you're seeing. I don't know if Jesus is gonna come in our, in our time. We don't know that. But a great evangelist recently just said this. If the disciples were in the last days, then certainly we're in the last minutes. And we have to prepare. So what you're seeing right now is a great shaking. Why? Because we're falling asleep. And I have to say as a church, I have to say this lovingly as many of your pastor. We have been lullaby to sleep, and we have been sleeping. And this is all this that you're seeing in America didn't just happen overnight. This has been going on for ages. It's just now being exposed. They've been doing things behind the scenes for ages and years. Why the church has been sleeping? Why it's been singing hymns in, a pew, in the pews and then just going home and living their lives and coming back on Sunday morning and just living their Christian lives going through the motions. And I have never seen the systems of this world being shaken the way that they're being shaken now. Why? Because God is up to something. Look at somebody and say that. God is up to something. Even our government doesn't have any answers. But listen, here's what I love about God where man's answers and God's answers begin. Did you hear what I said? The other day, my wife was saying, turn off your phone, because my phone was acting up. I said, why turn off the phone? Because, you know, I don't turn off the phone, and I'm a guy. I didn't think it fully through, and it was freezing and wasn't, you know, playing videos that I wanted it to play and wasn't playing my... It was acting weird, and she said, you just have to reset the phone. Do you know God does that to our lives? People complain about tough seasons that they're going through, but all, all tough seasons are, especially what we're seeing in America and in your own personal lives, and I don't have to be a prophet to know that many of you are going through a tough time. Do you know what God oftentimes does? It's not that he's trying to wreck your life. He's just trying to reset the button, and that's what he's doing right now is he's resetting America. He's resetting homes. What is he resetting? Priorities. Priorities. He's trying to, to get us to come to this realization that we, although we said we keep him first because we come to Sunday morning service, but yet we haven't kept him first in every area of our lives. So he's hitting the reset button. And we as people cannot continue to move in this direction that we've been going to because, and going in because God is wanting to re, divinely realign us. And, and I believe Aaron said this. He said, we're not just going through a reformation. We're going through, did he say, a restoration we're going through a great restoration right now. God is restoring that which the caterpillars, like the Old Testament said, the caterpillars and the cankerworms worms have eaten, that evil has eaten, eaten at our homes, eaten at our children, eaten at our finances. Come on, let me make it practical. And God is restoring all of that. And that's why this great shaking is going on. If you ever seen a tree, when you shake it, all the little, you know, what are the caterpillars begin to fall off of it. The things that have been eaten the tree. And that's one thing. That's one reason God is shaking the tree of America. Because there's a lot of people that are in high places that shouldn't be there. Did you hear what I said? So God is shaking the tree. Say he's shaking the tree. And if you ever study history, as I've been saying all morning long, just about as, as far as I've been ministering, he, he oftentimes begins to shake the tree before the great, great reset happens. Look at the, the depression back in the 40s and the 50s, I believe it was. God came and shook the tree. Look at somebody and say, is he shaking your tree this morning? And As he begins to shake the tree, this is when you need to get excited. When the enemy is after you, when you've got all kinds of chaos going on in your life, when, when, when the shaking is going on, I see somebody laughing at my, my point there. I'm going to get you after service. No, I'm just kidding. The reason that the tree is being shaken is here's the number three point. You ready? Because awakening is on the horizon, a great awakening, and we, we are at the cusp of a great awakening. Watch what it says in verse 52 through 53. Watch this. All of these are symbolisms, okay? I'm doing exactly what Jesus did. He took Old Testament principles and stories and he applied them to their day. You ready for this? It says this in verse 52 through 53, as Jesus is being crucified, he says, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. During Jesus' crucifixion, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Everybody say they were raised. They were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holiest city and appeared to many. Listen, the church is concerned with the lost, but what about the people who are in this place that are found and yet sleeping? There are people in this place that their eyes are open physically, but they are sleeping. Gone are the days when just going through the religious motions will do any longer. It won't do. It won't do. We actually have to have a prayer life. We actually have to live godly lifestyles. God is raising up end time warriors to help build and expand his kingdom. We've got to get beyond just coming to church for selfish reasons to get an encouraging word so I can live the next seven days you know, on a high horse. We've got, we got to get beyond that. We have to begin to dig in and find a godly community to connect with, to grow with, to add our giftings to, to get off of our blessed assurance. I love you. Say, look at somebody and say, He loves you. He really does. I do. But but no longer can I stand by the wayside and watch the people of God sit by and do nothing. That's one reason why I'm trying to make it my aim to be up here. I was coming up here once a month to do prayer nights and just to pray. Now I'm trying to make it my aim to get here two, three times, even four times in a month. Why? Because we are in a critical hour and the church has been asleep and we have to wake up. We have to pray. We have to fast. Come on. We have to read the word. Does anybody still believe that that is a critical part of the believer's life? Because you wonder. we wonder. I was gonna say you. We wonder why we struggle the way that we do, why the enemy is after our family. Reinhard Bonnke said it like this. He said, when I see the people of God in their struggles, the way that they're struggling, I will not stand behind a pulpit and purr like a kitten. I'm gonna roar like a lion. Come on, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to begin to roar like a lion, to warfare, to stop cowering down in fear when you're feeling the onslaughts of the enemy. It's time to stand up and to begin to bind and to loose. Do you realize that you are a son and a daughter of the most high God, that God has entrusted you with his authority? Stop being like a prayer line junkie and begin to pray for yourself because God, what God has given me, he has given you. What he has given the saints of the past, he has given you. He said. All power and authority I have given unto you to do what? To cast out devils, to heal the sick. I wish somebody would at least stand up, clap, do something. Cast out devils, heal the sick. They would drink anything deadly and it would by no means hurt them. Don't allow your, 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 your finances that are being attacked to cause you to cower down in fear. Pray. Pray. Do not allow these attacks, these vicious attacks in your marriage to cause you to feel hopeless and powerless. Pray, read God's word, do like David did, gird up your loins. Come on, encourage yourself in the Lord. I'm not going to see you until next Sunday, so you got six days that you're going to have to open up the scriptures for yourself and encourage yourself in the Lord to speak declarations over your life to warfare, not just for yourself, but for your friends. Amen. And your family. Hallelujah. Comfort in the kingdom is like cancer to the soul. Isn't it, Rick? Comfort in the kingdom. And can I tell you, that's exactly what's been happening in the Church of America as I've observed it closely and been on the front row of the church. Sometimes a pew, sometimes a seat. And I've watched it being so comfortable. Focused inwardly. It's time for it to hit the streets. It's time to reach out into the community. We recently, they say, why would you buy a truck like that? Why would you you know, start doing these outreaches? Why? Because the Bible says that in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, not just ascension, not just our little churches within the four walls. He said all flesh. What does that mean? In the communities. Come on, Jesus didn't stay just within the four walls of the church. He went out, and he got those who were lost, and he ministered to the lost. And you know why I believe that signs and wonders are not following the way that they did in the, in the New Testament in the early church, Dean? is because God has no reason to assist us in the safety of our comfort zone on the inside of these walls. When I went to Guatemala and we went to go minister overseas in Guatemala, I had never seen God move in the way that he did there. In 20 years of being in the church, never have I seen him assist. Why? Because God, just like Reinhardt says, he says, God doesn't sit with sitters. He goes with goers. He said, God will save a man out of the deepest pit, but he will not save you out of your easy chair. Look at somebody and say, get to work for Jesus. Get to work for Jesus. Comfort is what Peter, James, and John felt when, they, when Jesus came to them and said, can you not pray with me for one hour? Oh, I feel the Lord on this one. I feel like saying this to the church at large. And the church has been like Peter, James, and John. And Jesus has been for years saying, can't you stay up and watch with me and pray for one hour? And can I tell you this? I am the most guilty of them all. While chaos has been happening underneath the surface, we have fallen asleep. I, re- I know there's been days when I, when I w- look on my iPhone and I'm looking at Instagram and I'm uh, scrolling through Facebook a little bit and I'm quick to stay up 20 minutes on that, but as soon as I open up the Word, I can't get through 30 seconds before my eyes begin to drift off to sleep. We have been sleeping, church. Yeah. And if we're all honest, Much of us, the things of God do not interest us. And yet there's all these spiritual defects that are beginning to come to the surface. It's because we haven't been eating and feeding on this word that gives us our spiritual nourishment because you and I both know that when you eat uh, food that's not so healthy for you, it puts you right to sleep. Yeah. So we need to begin to feed on God's word more often, that's why it's called daily bread. I said this the other day. It's not uh, weekly bread. It's not monthly bread, it's not yearly bread. It's daily bread. Say it's daily bread. it's daily bread. I want to read this, if this is OK, I'm just going to go a couple more minutes. Is that okay? In John chapter two, verse 13 through 17, it says, "Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found he was found or excuse me, he found in the temple uh, those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. And he had made a whip of cords. I mean, if I did something like that, you guys would call the channel nine on me. He made a whip of cords and he drove them all out. Everybody say all. He drove them all out of the church, the temple, with the sheep and the oxen and he poured out the money changers. He took their money and flipped it over and those who were doing business. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers, money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. In other words, Jesus had a deep passion for the house of God to keep it holy to keep it pure. And I believe that's what's happening in the church of America right now, especially for you young people. Can I just speak to you really quick? Do you know why many of you and many of you who are watching, young people who are watching, do not come to the house of the Lord because they haven't seen a true demonstration of the Holy Spirit? And might I say this, your parents and your loved ones who raised you in church did not demonstrate, demonstrate holy and pure lifestyles behind closed doors, and you have not respected it, and therefore you've casted it off. But listen, I believe this. I truly believe this, that there is a new, new generation that's being formed. There's a nameless and faceless generation that's going to rise, and I believe it's going to be in the young people that are going to have a new hunger for holiness and purity, and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit is going to come forth like the world has never seen I wish one person at least would say amen to that. Amen. It's time, and it's high time. Listen, you get to a point in your relationship with the Lord where holiness fuels you and gives you power versus sap you of it. Can I, can I, can I tell you what I mean really quick? There used to be a time when I wasn't, when, when to not sin was difficult for me, like going uphill. I'm talking about my thought life, my practical life, it just in my general walk with the Lord, it, it, sin. Somebody say sin. It was a difficult thing to live holy, but you get to a point in your life where holiness actually fuels you. Purity will fuel you. And the littlest, slightest thing even in your thought life or you being unforgiving or bitter towards someone, you'll feel it begin to sap you of your strength, and you'll check yourself really quick, and you'll quickly forgive. Why? Because you realize that nothing is worth Come on, sapping your strength. And you want to do whatever you can to keep that relationship with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, sacred and intact, and you'll protect the anointing that's upon your life. Amen. Did you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And that's what I believe needs to happen in the church today. The tables need to be turned. The tables need to be turned. As I tell you guys often, I'm okay with skinny jeans as long as you live holy. You live, Leave them all ripped. Just be careful how far they go up your thighs. I'm okay with that as long as you live a holy life. You can have some holy pants as long as you live a holy life. Number four, I want you to stand to your feet. In verse 54, watch what this says. It says, so when the centurion... And those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake. Somebody say there was an earthquake. Didn't an earthquake just happen in Haiti? In a storm. The Bible talks about that. All these are little prerequisites. These are all prerequisites of what is about to come. Now, now watch this fourth prerequisite. So verse 54, so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus, they saw the earthquake and the things that had happened. They feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. What is it, What am I trying to say? In spite of Jesus looking like he lost the battle on the cross, his witness was still winning the lost. Did you hear what I said? And, and this is going to be a sign in these last days that that the Bible says that there were dead men coming out of the grave. It says that salvations were still happening and and, and I believe that this is going to be a sign a great sign that a surge of salvations is going to hit America and the globe like it never has before. In other words there's going to be you know that person that you've been praying for for years? God's working speedily My brother who's in the front with a big, scary beard. Just a year ago, for 15 years, I had prayed for him. I'm going to pick on him for just a minute. I'm talking about, I worked with him. I prayed with him. I wanted to kill him many times. I'm like, Lord, just let me, and you'll forgive me. Just let me send him to heaven early. It'll save his soul, you know, before he continues to sin. The Lord wouldn't let me. For 15 years, I stood on God's word for him. Stood on his word. And then recently we were praying for him and praying for him and praying for him and little by little with cords of love, the Lord rescued him. And the Lord set him free. And then he asked me to baptize him. And now he's in that front row every single week. He won't leave me alone. One of the last great signs that God is coming to the earth, meaning visiting his people once again, is where it was difficult for loved ones to be saved, What what's going to happen is there's going to be a deeper sensitivity of the Holy Spirit in their heart. And where it was difficult for people to get saved, they're going to get saved like that. And, and what's one way they do it? By you living a holy lifestyle, a pure lifestyle. A lifestyle that would bring conviction to theirs. Not because you're prideful, not because of that, but because Your lifestyle should be so seasoned with salt that it provokes other people. When they look at your life, they would say, I want that. I want what he has. I want what she has. I love the fact that this gentleman is being saved who's crucifying Jesus because that's telling me in the midst of great persecution, even in what's happening in America right now, in the midst of great persecution, we shouldn't be hiding away. We should be sharing our faith in Christ more than we ever have before. It looked like weakness. Jesus is being crucified. How does a man get saved watching the Messiah get crucified? Can I tell you? Jesus' attitude. His attitude. Do you know how many people you can win to the Lord just by your attitude? How you suffer matters in front of people. How you suffer. When you're going through things where most people would be breaking, most people would be falling apart. She lost her 16-year-old son, her only son, in a car accident. I've had to encourage her before, and I, I say, listen, half of this worship team who is here is only here because of you, because they see that you're standing in the midst of your suffering and in the midst of your loss. And they're still watching And I believe that they're here because they are watching. And that's the same thing with many of you. There are people who are not saying anything and you're suffering in your life and you're believing the Lord and you're still standing. They may not be saying anything to you, but trust me. They're watching. They're watching. Preach the gospel everywhere you go, but use words only when necessary. What am I saying? Your life is a sermon. And can I tell you the main thing that's on God's heart? The saving of the nations. Saving people. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977 interested in hearing more check back weekly for new messages have a great day